Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 61 with Micah Mitchell of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. 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 The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your earbuds with me wherever you are around the world. It's great to have you here and you're in for an absolute treat today. I'm speaking with Micah Mitchell and he is the founder of Membirium, which is a membership based SaaS. And uh, for those of you that don't know what SaaS means, it's uh, software as a service. And uh, funnily enough, you know, me and Mike are connected because we use Membirium to manage one of our membership sites, one of our courses, Instagram Domination, which goes in absolute complete detail, step by step, how we've rapidly grown our Instagram following and exploded our business. Uh, We've gone from about zero to 300,000 followers in about 10 months and uh, so many of you guys are asking how we're doing it so we created a course and I went down this massive courses path on you know working out which is the best software to use how to deliver the content you know how to protect the content and uh, I, I actually connected with Micah because we started using Membirium and I just love what these guys are doing and Micah is is a master when it comes to email marketing and also email automation, anything around membership sites. So for those of you guys that are interested in around this courses stuff or anything around email marketing automation, you're going to absolutely love this episode. He is a master. He knows Infusionsoft extremely well. And uh, 
yeah, I'm really excited. This this episode is quite technical, but I think there's going to be a lot of gold that you're going to get from this, especially, you know, I can comfortably say, you know, 99% of the people that listen of you guys in our community, you'll have some form of element of an online business. And, you know, email marketing is one of these things that can be very, very powerful once you start getting a grip around it. And, you know, if you are not, you know, looking at utilizing email marketing for your business, especially in the online space, I, I think it's something you're massively missing out on. So we, we talk about that too and the importance. So that's enough from me. Now let's jump into the show. Micah, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. The first question I'm going to ask you is the same question I ask everyone that comes on, and that is, how'd you get your job? How did I get my job doing Infusion? That's a funny way to put it. Uh, so I was actually, I bought Infusionsoft to run my lawn care company, which I had started because I was sick of the office. And so I was like, ah, I'm going to work outside and start a lawn care company. And about nine years ago, I got Infusion for it, which seems kind of weird. There wasn't like a lot of lawn care companies in there, obviously. But yeah, I did that for a while. And when it'll give you an idea of how you know, long my thought process was back then. But then when winter rolled around and I realized I couldn't do lawn care again, I fell back to the CRM stuff. And back then there was, I don't think anybody, like literally nobody doing infusion consulting. And so I just picked up from there. And it was kind of funny because like Jermaine Griggs is one of the ultimate marketers. He was just an everyday client, you know, there's a bunch of them. So I started so long ago and have been doing it ever since. So kind of an accident, fell into it for my own business but I just love the tech part. So eventually sold the lawn care company and have just been doing infusion since then. Yeah. Wow. So like just a, a little bit of a background for the audience listening, me and Mike are connected because he has this epic company called Membirium. And when we were launching one of our first courses, I, I looked at using Membirium because we use Infusionsoft as our CRM and for our email marketing and uh, yeah, we've just connected from there and, and uh, Micah knows a lot about automation, Infusionsoft, membership sites because of Membirium and uh, yeah, I wanted him to come on to, to, to pick his brain around all this because we haven't had an expert on around this topic, which is something that I'm starting to get into a lot now. First things first, so has Infusionsoft been around for the past eight years? They have. I think they're about wow. 10 years old. Yeah. Wow. Because... The technology is so powerful, man. Like, I'm amazed. Like, I love Infusionsoft. Like, I know it's so complicated, but it's so powerful, right? Oh, yeah. So, I guess the first question I have for you around automation, and, and please keep in mind that our audience is mainly aspiring and novice stage entrepreneurs. Like, how can people use, uh, you know, tools like Infusionsoft, automation tools to to get the best leverage for their time and, and within their business? Like what, what kind of advice do you give there? Yeah, it's a good question. For beginners and kind of novices as you're getting going, I would say the best thing you can do with Infusionsoft is you can leverage anything that's good. So some people go in and they, they automate for the sake of automation, which I kind of get. But as a new business owner, you know, as soon as you find something that works, you've got to move on that fast. And so that's why I think Infusionsoft is nice because you can say, oh, hey, this works. I just had a conversation with a client and, you know, this pitch worked or this angle worked or whatever. Then you can write that up, put it in Infusion and automate. So 
for somebody just starting, I'd say that's the big thing is just saying, you know, what's a, what's a follow-up process I might have with a client now to get them to buy? And then you automate that process. So anything that works, again, just kind of automate it. And they do multi-channel marketing, so it's not just email. You can hook it up to other things. But yeah, I would say if I was starting all over again, that's the first thing that I would do is I'd focus really hard on automating my sales funnel. Mm. And if someone's looking at creating like a, a form of a sales funnel, you know, what would that look like? How, how could they get started? So just getting started, let's say, yeah, you don't have Infusionsoft. I feel like now there's so many amazing tools. I mean, I started back when you had to build all this yourself and I was kind of doing that for clients and getting paid to make a squeeze page or, you know, an opt-in page or make a sales page. But now yeah, wow. there's, there's like a million tools that will make a page a hundred times better than I ever could even imagine. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I'm not an artist. So I'm just saying, yeah, if, uh, if I was getting started, lead pages is good just because they have templates that are proven. They have things that other people are using successfully. And that's kind of what they lean on is, Hey, you know, we're not just going to give you a template. We're constantly measuring and tweaking them for optimization. So a lot of that work is done for you if you're willing to spend not that much money. And lead pages is only one. There's tons, so I don't mean to promote them. But yeah, I mean, for less than 100 bucks a month, you can find a bunch of different systems. And I know you, for example, use Samcart. You know, beautiful systems. They look nice. They act right. And they're just not that much, all things considered. Mm. So I guess... If you have, you know, if if you're starting to build out your email newsletter, your email list, and you want to use Infusionsoft, I guess, what are some best practices around conversion using Infusionsoft to convert people? Yeah, so a couple things that you can do. I, you know, I talk about automation, like you say, oh, this sales process works and you let it go on somebody. But what you can do is you can make it a little more or a lot more interactive than that. So you send them the first thing let's say, and that's just to get to know you. So once you get a lead, I would say first thing, try to indoctrinate them. So don't sell them, try to talk to them about you and your company and, you know, a nice picture of you and all that kind of stuff to get them to like you, to get them to, you know, like you, I guess, over the next guy who's going to tell them a bunch of the same stuff. So you make it personal first, you kind of get them indoctrinated to you and your brand first, and that'll go a long way for you. It sounds like, oh, you know, I should be talking about the product. I should be talking about their problems or whatever. But not really, right? In the beginning, kind of get familiar with them, make it personal more than professional. And then when you go back to the professional, it's all fine. But you put yourself on a different level than other people that way. So I would say as soon as you've gotten them to kind of know and like you a tiny bit, and again, a lot of people call that indoctrination. So it might be a picture of you and your family or whatever. Then right after that, there's, I mean, there's so much you can do, but I would say the basic gist of it is you want to follow, I like Jay Abraham. He does, um, a sales process called AIDA, Attention, Interest, Desire, Action. And he does that all in a single sales letter. I like to do that in emails. So the first email would be kind of get their attention about the subject. The next one, develop their interest in it a little bit more, interest in your company or the specifics or whatever. And then the next one is desire where you're not just talking about their interests in things, you're talking about how what you have fits it so that they begin to desire it as far as like, yeah, you know, we've been talking about this and everyone knows it's a pain. Wouldn't it be great if there was a way that you could solve it or someone else could do it for you cheaper than you can even do it for yourself, that kind of thing. So then at the end you ask for the action and that's go to this order form and whatever. So that's the basic format I follow. And I know there's a lot of them, but I, I do what you would normally put in a whole sales letter across a series of emails. And then what you can do is as people click, so let's say they don't 
even open or click the first one, but they do open and click the second one. Then you kind of react to that. You say, okay, they're interested in, you know, part A or whatever. I've got these three emails, A, B, C, they cover different things. A, they're all about. So the next email I send them, instead of going right to B, I might go to like the next A email, right? Go deeper into one subject. And for example, if you do get them to click and visit your sales page and you know, hey, they visited the sales page, but they didn't buy, then you just follow up with another email to a different sales page. So not, you know, more automation at the same sales page, but to a different sales page, maybe based on a different aspect of the offer. So Ryan Dice does greed, logic, fear, as, as far as just kind of three general emotions. So if you have one sales page, that's really all about the opportunity and greed's maybe a little crass, but the opportunity, right? And then another sales page that's just really sensible, tells them why it makes so much sense. It's a no brainer or whatnot. And the last one, fear, you know, there's scarcity. You're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on the pricing or on the offer altogether or whatever. But that's what I would do is I would indoctrinate them, send them through kind of a process that will ultimately lead to a sale. But then as they do stuff, you alter it and you say, oh, that's a hot button for this person. Let's dive a little deeper there for a little bit and then ask for the sale again. So a lot of times if they're interested, like I said, in, you know, A or whatever, I'd go much deeper in A, not asking for the sale, but just really get them almost more indoctrinated. Like, oh, this guy knows what I'm interested in. He's speaking my language or whatever. And he may not realize, well, that's because you clicked this link versus that link. That's why we're being so direct, you know. And so kind of you automate, but you also segment as you go. Mm, yeah, that's a really good point because one thing I love about Infusionsoft, and I was using MailChimp before, was with Infusionsoft, you can tag people. So depending on where they come from, if they if they opt in for this lead magnet and then maybe this other lead magnet, you can tag them and know where they come from, segment them, and you know, depending on their actions, you can take them down a different path, which is this is where it gets really complicated but very powerful. Yeah, exactly. I mean, most marketing that people know is kind of push or like if you advertise traditionally in a magazine or whatever, you're you only have one message. But in reality, you're selling to a diverse group of people. So yeah, like you said, it does get complicated, but super powerful when you can talk directly to that person about what interests them most, not, you know, them and a 100 other people, their general interests, but like that guy's exact interests. Mm. Because I think when you have an online business and you just get starting, you usually start with like in you know, an Aweber or a Mailchimp. But as time goes on, you want something a lot more powerful. And uh, you know, this is why this is exactly why I want you to come on because you really know this stuff really, really well. I just want to touch a little bit more on this before we keep moving. And I just wanted to say, like. Do you always recommend Infusionsoft or do you recommend Campaign Monitor? Like what, what you, I know you, you're a massive fan of Infusionsoft, but do you have any other CRMs that you recommend to people? You know, it's kind of funny because I deal so much in the aftermarket with people after they've bought Infusionsoft that when oh, really? somebody asks me, yeah, I, I don't deal on the front end at all. But when somebody does ask, like occasionally people will come along, like they want to use Membarium but don't have Infusion. I honestly don't try to sell them into Infusion. A long time ago, I would. But now, I know it's such a complicated thing, and I know that Infusion kind of sells it as like, oh, this is going to double your sales, and everything's going to be magic and amazing. It's like, <laughs> no, not quite. It's going to be a huge pain and a lot of money. And so, like, just being honest, right? It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I don't want to be the guy who tells you to get Infusion, because then once you have a problem with it, you're going to hate me. But I don't know of anything that does 
I guess as well for a small business, everything that they do, that's their big claim to fame is it's everything in one package. And so, you know, when people talk to me about it, it's like, yeah, they don't have the best shopping cart. It's not the best email. It's not the best anything, but the fact that it's all together and interactive can be, you know, like that's, that's all the value right there. Cause you don't need the best shopping cart. You need to get the right people there through smart automation, you know? Hey guys, I really hope you're feeling inspired from today's interview. The truth is there's never been a better time to build an e-commerce business. And the best part is you don't have to do it alone. And that's where Founder Plus comes in, which I'm really excited to share with you. If you're feeling stuck in your e-commerce business, lacking confidence to move forward, or really worrying about making costly mistakes, Founder Plus is here to support you. You get access to a customized learning pathway with proven frameworks from successful e-commerce founders for fast results, a supportive community, weekly live mentorship, exclusive savings on startup tools and 24 7 real human support try founder plus today for just one dollar for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence you can visit founder.com forward slash founder plus trial or click the link in our show notes to claim your trial all right now let's jump back in the show Mm, yeah the reason i'm laughing is because you know we've only moved to infusionsoft about six months ago and there are a lot of costs involved because it's so difficult to wrap your head around. Like I'm, I know a little bit about technology. It's taken me a while to fully wrap my head around, especially our funnels and the campaigns that we have going on and the automation, but it can be costly because, you know, it's, it's a decent priced SaaS. Like we spend a few hundred dollars every month and we've, we've actually got a really good discount and, you know, it's for like, we spend a few hundred dollars every month for over a hundred thousand contacts. But that's a lot. That's like a really good discount rate. It is quite expensive and you need, like I believe that you definitely need an Infusionsoft consultant to build out the funnels and do all that good stuff. You can't, you can't just pick it up yourself, I don't reckon. No, and that's, I think, the sticker shock people usually get from Infusion is when they realize, oh, I have to pay $100 an hour or so to get help with this. Mm. But man, it's like, it's so good because it's so powerful and it, it is pretty, it is a very solid platform. So I really appreciate that, that, that service. And now let's kind of, let's get moving on to the membership site stuff because you started, so you, you had your lawn care business and I'm curious, like you were collecting just, I just wanted to touch on this before we move on. Also, you were using Infusionsoft for your lawn care business. Yeah, we were using it for the sales side. We were using it to bill automatically. We were, this will sound weird, we even put our lawnmowers and edgers and things in as contacts and put them in sequences, which would remind us when they needed maintenance and stuff like that. So, wow. Yeah, we were getting a little funky with it. But yeah, just, I mean, I basically bought it to bill people ongoing instead of having to send invoices and collect checks and all that. We just required everyone put a card on file and We'd bill them actually every single week when we mowed. So it was kind of different than the monthly. It was kind of cool. Wow. So you were locking people down on like recurring. Yeah, exactly. Once they bought, you know, whatever it is, $27 a week to mow your lawn, it was going to bill every week until, you know, from like April to October. Wow. That's crazy. Okay. Well, interesting. So you had the lawn care business. You were doing Infusionsoft CRM consulting. And then how did the stuff you do with membership sites come about and then, then did it lead to Memberium? Can you tell us like, take us forward? Yeah. So I was at first doing general Infusionsoft consulting, which is like setup and things like that. And this is a couple versions of Infusionsoft ago when it, 
really, really was complicated. I remember them saying that they were going from a top level menu that had 130 menu items on it. At the time, they were going down to one with like 40 and they were all excited about it. So I'm just, it was, it was kind of, yeah, intense. Um, and there was no visual. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, there's no campaign builder. So you would build all the pieces separately and you had to relate them using IDs. Like, you know, this oh action set God. relates to that. See, it was, it was a bit nutty. But um, so I did a lot of consulting and that kind of led to custom development. And at first I, I kind of picked up some PHP, but for the most part, as things came through, I was subbing them off, you know, like hiring people overseas, having them build it. And since I could code a little, I was having them build most of it. And then I would do some of the finishing touches and try to, you know, the testing and things like that. So I did some custom solutions for people and it actually started with Joomla. Are you familiar with Joomla at all? Yeah, I am just because I come from a tech background as well. (laughs) Yeah. So that was the first Infusionsoft integration that I'd made and turned into somewhat of a product was a Joomla thing. And it's because I had built it for a couple of people and just realized I should just sell this. You know, it cost a couple thousand dollars to build custom, but there's no reason I can't sell it for 500 or whatever. And at the time, I was so new that I didn't know anything about encrypting the software. I didn't know anything about, you know, open source and GPL and all, you know, even subscription revenue. I just started selling it at 500 a pop. There was no ongoing, which is a a horrible model because those people are going to need support, you know? So I did that for a little bit. And then I'll tell you kind of the, the dark intertwined story here and make it real brief. But basically I had gone to InfusionCon, I think in 2009, which is their, you know, regular conference. And um, while I was there, I talked to a guy from the UK about building a WordPress membership plugin. And I found out later that he went right back as quick as he could and hired someone to try to build one. Um, Oh my God, really? So someone actually stole your idea. I didn't even think, like I, so many people think that's going to happen. I always say, no, don't worry. Most people don't even have the time to steal your idea. So someone actually stole your idea. Yeah, no. And you're mostly, I would say you're mostly right. Like people aren't going to do that, but. In this case, yeah, I found out later, and the way I found out was funny. So, so I'm making a WordPress membership plugin, and then another one comes on the market. And after a while, I start talking to the guy who's running it, and he says, "Oh, it was, you know, this guy in the UK who got me to make this in the first place." And I guess they had had a falling out, and so the guy in the UK had started up a coder, the coder had made it, and then he was kind of chugging along. And so we got to talking, and eventually we actually merged, and that's what became iMember 360. And he and I had a falling out. He's, I realize now why he had issues with other partners. It's kind of an ongoing thing. But doing iMember 360, we grew that for, I was only doing about 18 months. And then we did a, that. And afterward, I was kind of sick of software and support and just kind of like, ah, oh, I'm just going to do info. I've been making this membership site software. I'm just going to go make my own membership site. And I did, and it was great. We made like six figures in 30 days and just kind of carried on with it. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, so I, I knew how to do that. And I actually did it with Customer Hub. So because I wasn't going to use that other software, I ended up using Customer Hub, which is another Infusionsoft membership thing. But I did that for a couple of years. And then what happened is Dave, who made Membarium, he had been cooking that up on the side and was using it a lot with Ryan Dice as a private client. So after a while, he and I talked again. And right when he had first started it, was shortly after I'd broken up uh, with iMember360. And so we talked the whole time, you know, as far as like, hey, when that's ready, I'd love to use it because I still like WordPress. And eventually, he and I talked again. I was in Belize, I think, two years ago, about this time of year. And that's when 
for whatever reason, I just kind of pulled the trigger and I was like, yeah, let's, let's license and run with Membarium. And Dave had planned on making it open source and making it free and just supporting people and trying to sell his own consulting to offset it. You know, he figured it'd provide him consulting revenue forever, which isn't terrible, but we got together and decided to do Membarium and, you know, kind of haven't looked back. It had a slow start. What we did that was really good, and this is maybe advice for anybody's just starting up and just new in business and whatever, is we didn't jump right in bed together. I actually took about six months vetting Dave and he and I talking back and forth and in the contracting process intentionally taking a really long time because I knew there was a big opportunity. I just wanted to get it right. And so that was hugely valuable. We didn't start till about six months later. But then once we did start, kind of had a slow start, like six or 10 or whatever a month for the first few months. And it's just built up over time. So now Membarium, we get about 70, 80 sales a month and keep the vast majority of them. Actually, the only time people leave is if they actually cancel Infusion. And that's because, as you know, with our onboarding process, we're trying to get every single site up, not just sell software. Mm, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the history of Membarium. And yeah, here we are just kind of chugging along. There's some good things on the horizon, but that's how it evolved. Yeah. Wow. This is really interesting. So you you would call Membarium a SaaS, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So like, what is like, out of curiosity, like your biggest challenges with running a SaaS business right now? Because like, to me, you know, if I didn't start Founder, that's what I would have started. Like I knew, when I started Founder, I knew nothing about entrepreneurship. I knew nothing about magazines. I knew nothing about media or nothing. And I just started it. And now going into this scene, the more and more I see like, just how powerful it is to like that, the, the SaaS business model and, and how scalable it is. I'm curious, you know, what are your biggest challenges with running Membarium? Yeah. So I would say one of the biggest ones, I guess it's a testament to how good SaaS is, is trying to limit the number of opportunities we are chasing because things come up all the time, you know, opportunities for add-ons and all these things. And so we're just trying to stay really super focused on the membership stuff. There's, we could build referral partner programs and e-commerce things. And a couple of them we are adding in as they relate to membership, but we got really clear in the beginning that, you know, a couple of things, one, it's not about the software. It's definitely about the support. And so that's the other challenge is staffing support and keep it not, not even staffing, but just training, dealing with the escalated support myself. Sometimes that kind of stuff is a challenge, but um, that's like a, only for the first couple of years, you know, I anticipate that'll go away soon. But otherwise, yeah, it's, it's kind of turning other stuff away so that we can stay focused. It's too easy to build on features that aren't core and have the code get bloated. There's performance issues with that. It's also, yeah, just too easy to, you know, spread our focus too thinly. And so we're always refocusing all the time, which has been good. And I mean, even when we were little, we've been doing pretty intense business management, you know, five hours of team meetings a week on different things. And we've since tapered it back to about three. But still, every single week, there's three hours that we set aside and we're not doing support or anything. The whole team is sitting there talking about just how to stay true to that core, because we think anyways, our suspicion is that long term, you know, we can win the membership game. We can't win all software games, but we can definitely win the membership game with our experience and things like that. I said this to you off here, but I say on here, like what I love about Membarium is it's such a solid platform. Like we haven't had any problems at all. Like I know, you know, the reason me and Mike actually connected is because I was getting really uh, concerned and worried because we were about to do a launch for our course 
and I just wanted to make sure everything was solid. It was all working, and actually, Mike actually jumped in and helped me, and that's how we connected. And uh, ever since we went through all those tech issues at the start, and it's just bound to happen, the platform has been very, very solid. We haven't had any instances where somebody's purchased the courses, any of our stuff, and they haven't been given access. And uh, yeah, it's it's a testament to, you know, the kind of service you guys provide. Like I was amazed that, you know, when we purchased, the first thing was, you know, send us your Infusionsoft details and we'll set up Membirium for you. And you guys have helped us every step of the way. That's, you know, one of the reasons I wanted you to come on and, and, and you know, is my way of saying thank you and to help spread the word of, of the epic stuff that you guys do. So if you run a membership site, I highly recommend to use Membirium, especially alongside if you're using Infusionsoft as well. I have a question, though. Is it difficult to manage because you guys rely on both WordPress and Infusionsoft? So your business relies on other systems? Is that difficult to manage and stay on top of because you don't know what's around the corner because they're going to update something or, or something like that? To some extent it is. And I was going to mention earlier, so I'll kind of fit it in here before I answer that, that you know one of the challenges with SaaS is having a good developer. And my ex-partner was a great developer, but just did not have a good understanding of business or marketing and in fact despised marketing. And so what was difficult about that is when customers would want something, he wouldn't understand why. And the other thing was he would overwrite a lot of WordPress stuff. So without getting into the technical details, just as an example, when WordPress, let's say, is going to load the theme or the design of the page or they're going to load some of the plugins or features or whatever, it has a standard process it goes through for that. And he would overwrite it to take control of it to do what he wanted. And so back to your question, the way that, the, that this really relates is we're middleware, right? We're between Infusion, we're between WordPress. And so, yeah, if either one of them you know, changes something we rely on, we might have to change and they don't always tell us. So that is an element, but WordPress has provided coding standards. So the fact that Dave follows them religiously and really tries to stay safe, it means that we play nicely with all the other plugins and themes and things like that. And there's only been a single WordPress update that we ever had to react to. So they only made one change that was big enough for us to react to. And the reason that we didn't have time to react to it is they were actually keeping it secret. They had some sort of security hole that they didn't want to publicize and say, hey, here's this hole. Um, so they kind of quietly fixed it, didn't tell anybody, and quietly released the fix. So it was a big surprise. And we only had to change a few things, which Dave did in a number of hours, and we pushed out the update. But just saying, yeah, being middleware, it can be tough because things around you do change, but there's a way to keep it safe, at least with WordPress. And then Infusion, they have so many people relying on their API that they don't they don't make kind of spur-of-the-moment changes to that. They do have a new API we'll have to retool for, but they know that they can't you know, move around too quickly and uh, mess up all their partners who are integrated to it. So for us, at least, the middleware thing has not been a big challenge. What I would say, though, is we're between two good things. We're between two things that are worth being between. WordPress is the biggest content platform and Infusion is a you know, fast growth CRM. They've got a bunch of money. They're going to keep going. They'll probably IPO at some point. So even if there were challenges for us, it would be worth it. And I say that having done a lot of other middleware, you know, like 10 or 15 other different little middleware things like Joomla I mentioned, but a bunch of other stuff. And that can be frustrating when you're not bringing in the cash flow to justify the changes you have to make unexpectedly. Very frustrating. But being in you know, a good spot and following the coding standards and things like that, it hasn't been an issue for us. 
Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Because the reason I asked that question as well is for the magazine, it's a digital magazine and it's on the App Store and the Google Play Store. And most of most of our subscribers are actually on the App Store, like very small proportion on, on the Google Play Store. And and the reason I asked this is because I realized like not so much recently, and I kind of knew it in the back of my mind, but recently Apple's making some changes to their latest iOS where things are going to be shaken up with how the magazine works and stuff like that. And, you know, it might actually affect, you know, us being a top 10 business and investing ranked magazine and, and all these other things. And it just made me think, you know, just out loud and, and what I'm asking you, like I I personally now, once this has happened, I, I think to myself always, you know, how can I de-risk the business? How can I not rely on other people's software? So I had to ask you that question. Just from my experience, we're not in a tricky spot, but if if we just did rely on the magazine as subscription income, I think, you know, we, it would, might be a challenge for us. So that's why I asked that. But uh, let's keep moving and we'll work towards wrapping up. Look, I know you know a lot about membership sites and I know you know, this courses thing, and I, and I know, you know, not everyone's doing courses, but anyone that's listening to this that has an online business that is considering to do courses or look or already does courses, I know you, you, you have a lot of insight around that and you, you had an info, did you have an info product around that? Not around doing courses specifically. No, I've got my own info product now, but not about that exactly. Oh, what was it about out of curiosity? Uh, it's Infusionsoft training, but for teams. So I've done a lot of Infusion training. This one's for how to get a whole team to use Infusion because you get multiple users in there and it can get a little chaotic. Uh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, when it comes to creating a membership site, you know, what do you see? Because you've got a lot of clients that have really, really successful membership sites and they do this online courses stuff really, really well. What's your advice there to do it well? Yeah, so a couple of things, just so people understand, and, and I'm going to jump ahead. I think this is where you're going. But when he says courses, there's the old kind of info product where people would just put up some videos. So let's say somebody's got 50 different videos of content on whatever subject, and they would just put them up there and sell you access. And so you'd pay and you'd come in, and they weren't really in any particular order. Um, you just kind of, a lot of people would get overwhelmed with it. You know, some people like, oh, I want to be able to watch whatever I want, whenever I want. I don't want to have to go and order anything like that. But a lot of people got overwhelmed. So the thing that I'm seeing that's really successful with these courses is a couple of things. One, they force the order. So they say, hey, there are prerequisites. There are, you have to go incrementally through it versus just overwhelm yourself. And I've even done that with mine now on good advice from a lot of people where the lifetime value of a member is going to be much higher if you structure it. And sure, a couple of people are going to be, you know, they're going to want to get to their content or whatever. But like in my case, for example, I just started doing this and it literally makes you go, there's over a hundred, but one through a hundred, you can't skip a single video the whole time anywhere. And it seems like it would be a deterrent, but for most people, they really need that guidance. They don't know what they need to know next and after this and that and whatever, and what the optimal order is. And so if you set it up that way, that's really huge for retention. And I'm actually completely amazed that people are making it through all that content. I keep looking at people and they'll have made it through all hundred videos, which is only about 16 hours of content, but they'll do that in a week or two. And I used to sell content and there's no way people were consuming that much. There's just no way. And I remember 
when I would get cancellations, people would even say, you know, I just never used it, never went into it, whatever. So making it somewhat linear and not all businesses need that or not all info products need that. Most of them, though, you can find a way to do that. And even if it's not 100% linear, there's, you know, the lower level stuff that you have to complete before the mid-level stuff. And you don't have to go in order in the mid-level, but you do have to do the lower level first. So a lot of that, not only, you know, it increases your customer lifetime value, but it really increases their experience and retention. The next really big thing that I'm seeing is people used to track, you know, if someone had watched a video. And if so, how long did they watch? Did they finish it or only get halfway through or whatever? And that's mostly going away in lieu of quizzes. So now it's watch this video, take this quiz, because that's a true indicator of, did you get it? You know, did you watch it? Is there a problem? What do you need? Kind of a thing. And so most of my videos actually have quizzes too. And a lot of the, you know, the ones that I'm seeing come up do that. That's, you know, two things like force the order, then actually test for retention versus just see if they consumed it. And then the last one is a question about what you're selling. Like, are you selling, a, you know, a course? Are you selling information? Are you selling some sort of result? And the new thing that people are selling, which is really big, is certifications. So there's this concept of return on education. And it used to be, okay, I'm going to I'm going to buy a course and I'm going to go through it. And if I use the info from the course, I'm going to get a return, right? But if I don't, I get nothing. And so now with these certifications, there's a return. If you go through the course, even if you didn't use it, you have a certification and what that value is to you, you know, you can define, you can either use it on your site for marketing to get clients. You can put them in on your LinkedIn profile and things like that. And one of the bigger companies is actually, I don't know if it's already done, but they've been working a deal with LinkedIn where their badges and the things that they produce within membership sites can show on LinkedIn is almost an accredited thing. You know, so if someone's looking at you and a competitor on LinkedIn and you're both about similar, but it shows, hey, you've taken these internet marketing courses, you understand copywriting, you understand direct response or mobile marketing and these things, that's going to tip the scale. And it, it used to be that you'd get those courses and they'd sit on a shelf. You know, a lot of people wouldn't even open them kind of a thing, right? Yeah. But now that's the big thing is, no, we're selling a certification. So same content, but there's an end result that lives on after you're done with the course that you can have, honestly, for the rest of your life. And so that seems to be huge. A lot of people are changing. A lot of big old internet marketers, I'm saying, are even looking at, hey, I've got all this content I've made over the years, which has become really devalued because I put it into some giant thing. You know, I made a membership site with 500 lessons thinking that would be good to show people, hey, I've got all these years and all this depth, but they just, they don't use it. You know, it's overwhelming. They don't know where to start. And so they're moving that into courses on specific subjects and selling those at a a higher value, getting a ton of, uh, I guess you'd say, you know, just more impact from the same info by structuring, certifying, quizzing, and all those things. Yeah, wow, this is great. So a few things I'd like to unpack before we work towards wrapping up, Mike. I hope that's cool. One, your first piece, you're saying that you should drip feed the content? Yeah, I think so. I don't think I'll personally ever do a site again where I just give them stuff. I'm going to walk them through every step. Okay. Because I used, we used, um, you probably won't remember, we used LearnDash for that. And uh, that was quite good, actually. So if anyone's looking to to pair up with Infusionsoft, maybe I found LearnDash to integrate really well with your system. Yeah, and that's actually what I use as well. Membarium has some additional integration functionality with that. Yeah, I definitely recommend LearnDash. Okay, and yeah, LearnDash allows you to do quizzes. That's something that I don't do, but I think it's a brilliant idea. I really love that. So pretty much once somebody watches the video, they have to answer the quiz to keep moving, right? 
Yeah, they, you can set like a pass, you know, threshold. And at first I did, you know, I had these little short videos, five, seven minutes, and each one had like eight to 10 questions. I've since shortened it. So I've only got, you know, three questions or so per video, and they have to get at least two of the three right to move on. And so, I, I, you know, I don't want to get in their way, but I do want to make sure that they're watching. And I feel, my guess is anyways, that knowing there's a quiz, they're actually watching with more attention than not. Mm, yeah, that's a really good one. Because you know what, I had somebody purchase one of our courses yesterday. And within half an hour, they got back to me and said, I want they wanted a refund, they knew all of the stuff already, which I know is impossible. And I was like, you know, we, we give a refund, no questions asked. I was like, yep, let's, you know, okay, that's fine. You know, that's it. But can you answer me this? One, you know, where's your, like, where are you at? Like, let's be real with, you know, your social media. Can you tell me? And two, what did you expect that we didn't deliver on? Because, so I think, you know, implementing a quiz is a great way to definitely reduce your churn and, uh, it's a great way to also challenge people because I'm sure that guy didn't know everything. Like it's impossible. You can't know everything from a 10 hour, 15 hour worth of course content and, and, you know, come back to me right to our support team in like an hour of purchasing the course. You know what I mean? So it's a great, yeah, that's a really good one. And, and the certification stuff, does that mean like I myself could be like, yeah, you've put, finished this Instagram course, you're, you know, Instagram certified, like from founder or, or like anyone can do that? Yeah. And I don't know, you know, the legal implications of saying like, hey, you're Instagram certified. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, but, um, but you could definitely say you're founder certified in our Instagram mastery program or, or you're, yeah, you're a certified Instagram master from founder or something. I'm sure there's a way you can word it. If you look at, for example, certifications.digitalmarketer.com. They're a good example because they take a lot of things, like a lot of content, and they break it out into individual courses. So one of them is like content marketing mastery, Facebook ad mastery, things like that mm. where yeah, – They break it down, you know, really niche it. Yeah, and if you think of your guy who went into your course and was like, oh, I know everything already, he probably just looked at the titles and figured he was aware of those things. But – if each was a course where he couldn't quite get into all of it, you know what I mean? He had to pass one before the other or whatever, it would help a lot. And then also what I've really noticed when I talk about making the content linear, it's not, it's not about, I guess, making everything linear. I think it's about setting the stage. So with mine, for example, the very first module gets them in the right mindset for the rest of the stuff. And so like even that guy, even a hard case like that, if you can put them through a module that they have to go through to even access anything, but it really sets them up. You know, some of the questions you're asking, you can ask directly in those videos. Like, you know, before you get into this training, before you think you know it, let me ask you a few questions. Do you have this? Do you have that? What's your conversion on this and that kind of stuff? Mm. You can, you know, stage it to where then as they go through their your content, they're like, oh, yeah, this is what he talked about that I need to make sure I've got, you know? Yeah, that's brilliant. Okay, yeah, this is this is some great stuff, man. Okay, awesome. Uh, one last question before we wrap up is – with this membership site stuff, and this is like, you know, with our business, I never thought we were going to get into this courses and membership site stuff, but, you know, it's something that our audience actually wanted. They wanted more than just the magazine, the podcast, the blog, social content, and now we're starting to build up our back end. My question to you, and this is totally selfish, but I think some people might find it interesting, and, and that is, should our next course be like... Like like a Ryan Dice where he puts in, you know, five different things 
and then it's a monthly recurring where it's like $30 a month? Or do we do just like a one-off kind of purchase price? Like I noticed that a lot of people that do these courses stuff, because keep in mind, like for those listening, like this courses stuff is a multi-billion dollar industry. So it's it's something that's definitely growing and it's going to become more and more prevalent, especially because, you know, university education is so expensive, all that stuff. But pretty much my question to you is, Micah, like what should my next move be? Should I look to re- to create some sort of recurring revenue-based membership site, you know, video course product or just have like, you know, more courses that are one-off? I'm really curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so I would always have recurring revenue somewhere. Even if you look at Ryan Dice with all those certifications, that's kind of an afterthought to his DM Labs, which is a membership. So, you know, I've done membership sites forever. And yeah, it used to be, here's a repository of content, pay me 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 200 bucks a month to access it. And that's still valid. You could put all your content in there and do that. But what I would say, just to answer your question specifically, is if you already have some courses that are one-time fees, I'd probably leave them. And then what I would do is I would make, I would figure out a way to make a continuity program that is an upsell to that or, you know, comes before it or whatever, because it's more about having a product suite, right? You've got to have low end products that just get people to spend some money with you. High end products for specific purposes like courses are great. Somewhere in the middle, I would absolutely have an ongoing monthly thing. And you might say, that it's an all access pass to your different courses. That is one way to go. I think it's better to hold some things aside and say, you know, that's this is its own separate thing. But when you talk about monthly memberships, it's kind of difficult to provide the value ongoing, just meaning, you know, if you produce a finite amount of content, people are going to eventually get through it and cancel, which can be okay. And in fact, my current site, I do 97 a month for that whole thing. So it, it's a course, you could say. There is a finite amount, but I charge monthly and I just say, if you get through in one month, great. If it takes you longer, you know, whatever you need to do. But one of the things I did, and you might be able to do this, is when I talked about it being for teams, the way I made mine sticky is I actually said, this is an Infusionsoft training course, but it's you want everyone on your team to go through it. So as you get new employees, they also need it, which is a reason to stay a member. And anyone with turnover, like in customer service or sales teams, definitely needs it, you know? And so... You can go, we call it parent-child, where the parent membership account holder can sub-license children and they can come in and they get something slightly different. But that is, that's one way to keep people long-term on a you know finite amount of content. Otherwise, and I had always struggled with this myself, otherwise you're tied into creating content. you know. And once you have, let's say, 12 months of content, then yeah, a new member is going to come in and be good for 12 months. But everyone else, when they hit month 13, is going to be like, hey, you know, wh- where's the stuff? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, that's the thing I was, because like... I'm trying to map out my 2016, what's it going to look like, what sort, how can we further serve our audience, like obviously I'm going to survey and stuff like that, but I'm trying to think, you know, everyone's moving to this recurring revenue stuff, everyone says the holy grail, we actually have recurring revenue in the magazine, it's a subscription-based business model, so that's great, but... You know, people saying, you know, subscriptions better. And, and, you know, I just thought, you know, thinking out loud, like you'd be the best person to ask this question. So, yeah, no, you, you, you have answered it spot on. Thank you. So, look, thank you so much for your time, Micah. We, we've got a ton of stuff here around courses, membership sites, automation, Infusionsoft. Where's the best place people can find you? So, uh, you know, if you're interested in Membarium, it's memberium.com. 
and that's membership site stuff, but it does require Infusionsoft. So I would say if you want to learn more about Infusionsoft, I've got a site that's Mastery. There's just three M's at the beginning. So MM Mastery, you know, same Mastery, just three M's at the beginning. And that one, there is a free course about automation in general before. In fact, I think there's only one video in like those 15 that even goes into or shows Infusionsoft. Most of it is just about you could say like core automation stuff, not even like marketing automation, but just how to automate in a sensible way because there's there's a lot of rights and wrongs. So I'd say anyone kind of interested in this in general, that'd be a good place to start. You go get that free course, no matter what you're using, it should be somewhat helpful. And then of course, we have support and things on there. So you can contact us if you need anything. Awesome. Well, look, thank you so much for your time, Micah. It, this has uh, been an awesome conversation, man. Hey, appreciate it. Thank you. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.